welcome to the 250, the podcast where we made it to the top of the world. I'm Jonathan, and with me as always is my co-host, Douglas. How are you, Douglas? I'm doing good. I like how you really, you gave that your all. Like you I, just... I, I realized like halfway through the sentence that I had to give it more like... More energy. bravado? Yeah, you were like, <laughs> well, we made I'm popping it my to fists the... right now. No one can see this. <laughs> we made um, it to the top of the world. <laughs> top of the world. If this is your first time tuning into 250, we have taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we've begun watching them from number 250 through to number one in this podcast we discuss our opinions thoughts and reactions to the movies within today's movie number 229 is white heat i just i keep on realizing that it is people's first time listening to the podcast <laughs> they just listen to us too. okay uh Cody Jarrett leads a criminal gang in Los Angeles. After a lucrative train heist and an escape gone wrong, Cody gives himself up, leaving the gang to his ma and second-in-command. Fighting against treacherous gang members and trying to formulate an escape plan, Cody must fight against himself and everyone else around him. Jonathan is looking around curiously. Give me one second. (laughs) Oh, no. Cut. Future me, cut this out. Uh, Something... Um, so, uh, White Heat is directed by Raoul Walsh, who's done a bunch of other films from this era, uh, Sadie Thompson, The Roaring Twenties, and The Birth of a Nation, and, uh, it was written by Ivan Goff, Ben Roberts, and sort of based on original story by Virginia Kellogg, that was a bit weird, I couldn't, cause I don't think it was like a book, Virginia I think Kellogg. it was maybe Virginia Kellogg, Kellogg's like- a Kellogg's like a common surname in the States, I'm pretty sure. It's not really? uncommon anyway. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's named... The brand Kellogg is named after a certain Mr. Kellogg, so... Yeah, exactly. That's what... <clears throat> yeah, I was... <laughs> well, I was like, <laughs> Kellogg! <laughs> I was like, Kellogg! I, be- I believe Raoul Walsh is, um, yeah, pretty prolific and... Um, right. The Birth of a Nation is big. I keep... I, I forget why I hear about it. I think maybe because it's a bit racist... Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, you know. Birth of a Nation in the wrong sense of the word. <laughs> it's got it's got stuff about the KKK in it. Ah. I don't remember why. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, anyway. Uh, neither Jonathan nor I have seen this film before. Hmm. Um, how do you I think about think it? I've... Sorry, I wanted to bring... I want to bring up bring up that Raoul Walsh has a fucking ball and eye patch on. That's all I got. Oh. How, do you, how do you think about this film? Outstanding. Um, uh, I just uh, I don't think I've actually seen too many films from this era, like the forties, fifties, and even like thirties. I don't yeah, think I, I, I don't think I can name a single film that I've seen, but prior to the two five zero, um, that I've because it happened from this one era. night is from thirties, the thirties actually. Mm. Mm. Like I don't yeah, think we've done. I, Never seen too much cinema from this period, so it's uh, very enlightening watching all this stuff. Um, yeah, it was interesting, um, and it's definitely um, it, it's kind of it's not a parody of gangster films from the era, but it's kind of like a um, deconstruction, I guess, or sort of, sort of. So there mm. was a big shtick back when these were made about. Um. Uh, not you know positively reinforcing uh, like criminals in films. Um, mm. 
basically going like, these are bad people, and they're criminals, and they're fun to watch, but they're bad people. Yeah, and you've got to really ultimately, make sure that's the they are bad people. Yeah. Um, and this one didn't make Cody Jarrett's character a, you know, not necessarily like a likable figure, but you could sort of see what was going on, and he wasn't just like a monster. There was like more to that story. I mean, yeah, kind of, kind of was a bit of a monster. Not to get too in depth about it, but mm, mm. you can you can sympathise with the lead character. Um, you can most definitely, and yeah. At least just to some degree, yeah. Understand where he's coming from, rather than just like, oh, here's a monster for literally zero reason. You know, um, mm, mm. Uh, it's good to have an actual reasoning, yeah, behind it. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of. This is an, another one of those films in the 250 where I just, I kind of walk away from it and I go, yeah, you know, that was a, that was a good movie. I'm happy to have seen it because you know it is. Uh, Evidently, a bit of a hallmark in uh, the history of film, but I don't think I'd watch it again. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It had a lot of interesting, like, directorial intent. Um, it tells an interesting story, um, but there was just like some weird stuff about the the way it was all kind of put together and. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll get into it more in the spoilers. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, this this film is basically sort of like a character study. Yeah, um, totally. Mm. And there's a lot going on, but it I had a little some issues with the pacing and stuff. But there's a lot of really cool stuff in here. So I think it's it's definitely still a film that's worthy of being on the two fifty. Definitely. But I'm not gonna watch it. Again, when I'm like bored one night, right? Yeah, I'm watch something else. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, one of those movies that I'm happy to have said that I can watch if just for the sake of, you know, talking with other, uh, you know, film fanatics and stuff. I can. They'll be like, uh, "Do you know 1949's White Heat?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, I know 1949 White Heat." Yes, whatever. I do very like, much know 1949's White Heat <laughs> by <laughs> Raoul Walsh. What do you a think man of with one uh, eye. Uh, what do you think of the Cody Jarrett's character? I don't know why this person is stewy all of a sudden, but because I think it's I think it's because I said white heat like whip and then I just he's <laughs> become stewy. It's almost like it almost feels like um something you would watch in like English class because I think you yeah, could, if you totally. sat down and wanted to do like a lot of like analysis, mm, right? Mm, this would be mm, perfect for it because totally. they've they've really built this character, but as a film. And I guess, I guess I always want our perspective to be like more or less just like normal film goers. Totally, you we're know, not. We're not going to come out here pretend we're fucking. Uh, who's the uh, Margaret and Dave or whatever the hell they're called? You know the the old uh, duffers, and they're like, oh. "Well, I disagree, Margaret. I think you're stupid." Oh. And they're on the BBC or whatever. You know those guys. We're not. <laughs> what them. is that? Okay, this is extremely off topic. We need to remember who they are. Who they I've are? Watched a we'll, couple of. I've watched a little bit of that. Same, same. We'll, we'll we'll find um, out for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> um. So so yeah. I guess my my pre spoiler kind of conclusion on this film is that, um, story wise, it is it has a lot of value. I think as an average film goer, 
it is not as engaging as I wanted it to be. Mm. But maybe that could be because I was expecting more of a exciting gangster film than I got, or I don't know. Mm. Well, not bad. The, not bad. It's the, not a bad film. We've had a lot of fucking stinkers. True. This is not a bad film. True. I think the the general structure of the plot is a little bit different to what we would expect of a gangster flick nowadays. Uh, yeah. Which is, yeah, both, you know, for better and for worse. Um, but James Cagney, just in general, I think carries this film a lot. The lead actor who plays Cody Jarrett, um, he brings a very complex character to the screen. And as mm. you said, John, there is a great deal of room for analysis and uh, commentary to be made. Uh, probably about 5% of which you will find right here on the 250. Yeah. <laughs> where 2-5-0, where you can get the just absolutely most <laughs> basic <laughs> ground level takes. <laughs> you remember when he said the word? He meant that. When or he said your the word. money back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, God. Uh, Ooh, let's uh, hop over to Spoiler Town. No, subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, if you <laughs> if you, if you give us five dollars a month, I'll kiss you. <laughs> yeah, I will do. We'll do actual film analysis if we get yeah. paid for it. Yeah. We'll like sit down and put some fucking work into it instead of what the, exactly. whatever the fuck this is. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, shit. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to jump over to Spoiler Time? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, you you got our our general ideas from that, I guess. Mm. Uh, I would recommend this film if you're interested in the era of the 40s and the 50s and the whatnot. And uh, yeah, just want to get a bre- uh, broader understanding of film history, then go for your life. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. Um, all right. Well, spoiler. Nice little gentle spoiler siren. Okay. <laughs> And, and we're back. And we do the um, rest of the podcast like this. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the next 50 welcome minutes to- of your life. <laughs> um. <laughs> welcome to the next 50 minutes of purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> we, um... Uh, or the thing, because this is the, the first film I watched in, like, the latest batch mm. that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the first thing that hits you in this is that incredible opening that is like very indicative of like 50s films that i only recognized not recognized but like my only familiarity with this kind of opening was from old looney tunes yeah popeye Mm. when they'd be like this is like a 20 30 minute bit and there'll be like a you know full screen um like title sequence and then it'll go and it'll have some like really i don't know how do you describe that music where it's like ba 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 da 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 it's uh, very it's full of bravado you know and it kind of yeah. it gets you uh, the the orchestral elements and everything are all supposed to uh, make the make everything a spectacle you know and try and amp the the uh, yeah, I can't think of any other word for it than bravado. Um, I my brain said, um, like a little John Williams type, like like which I'm gonna get flayed for. I feel, but that's like <laughs> the connection that I've made, right? Mm. Where like you know, in like the opening to, um, the Star Wars films, where they'll be like, like the music will kind of swell because there's action happening in space, and then it'll kind of zoom in and the music will get like tinkly and and then it'll and then it'll like fade out and then you're like 
at level. That's like what the music did to me. Yeah. Um, that's bad take. We're starting the day off. Bad takes from from the beginning. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I I think that's a very it's like indicative of the time. Mm. I don't love it as a way to introduce a film and the characters because the the credits were in there, or I guess the the actors. Mm. Um, the credits are all in the beginning as well. It's it's still it's a thing that weird. I'm trying to wrap my head around these uh, while we're talking on that 40s, 50s, and 30s movies. I don't know why I always go 40, 50, 30. It would be much more... Uh, That's the range of old movies we have. The, like, three or four old movies we've Yeah, done. yeah. Uh, the, they end so abruptly. There's oh, yeah. No, there's no post-credit sequence. Right? They get all that shit out of the way at the beginning of the film rather than the end of the film, which is what we're used to. So... Whenever I look at, like, the time code when we're, like, you know, we're getting close to the end of the film. And I'm like, shit, they have to wrap this up in, like, you know, five minutes. What the hell is going on? And because I'm like, you know, we've got to have credit sequence. And yeah. then there's, like, maybe ten seconds left on the time code. And I'm like, we have to end the movie. <laughs> and then they finally do. And it's like, the it's- end. And then it's just like, fuck off. See you later. Jog on. Yeah. And it's like, it's oh. They- like the film also like that style of film also just ends abruptly normally. Yes. Like yeah. I think we mentioned it in um it happened one night where mm. which which did have kind of like a prologue, uh, no, an epilogue. Yeah, um, it did. Mm, which was nice. But it was quite very very slim. Mm. And they just like, you know, the walls of Jericho come down and and then that's it and it's maybe like a one minute scene. Mm. Um this one, this one, it's like... <laughs> it's literally just, it's over. <laughs> it's just... It's like the last... The, the you know, uh, Hank says the last line where he is... What does he say? Uh, um, he wanted the world and it blew up in his face or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, and and it like, was, it's the big... And it's then- the big cop, like... Hawaii Five-O drum fill. Fucking... It's done. Yeah. Which is weird. I... Yeah, I, it kind I of it feels almost anticlimactic in a sense, but I suppose that's just how it was done back then. Was you know, you get in, you do the film, and then you get the fuck out. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't hate it as much in this because, it, um, like, the thing is, how many people actually sit through the credits in modern cinema? Unless you really, yeah. really, 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 really enjoyed the film, or you had like a mate who like fucking i don't know held a boom mic for a day while he had a finger in his bum hole um then <laughs> then maybe you would watch the credits so then you could yeah. be like hey it's money oh there he is it's tucker he's on the thing and then otherwise or if it's a marvel movie you know marvel do the post credits something yeah 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 but beyond that i can't think of a single reason for watching the the credits uh, for like a normal film girl would have for watching the credits so it's almost a smart fucking move to just be like <laughs> okay film's done you want to leave uh, good because there's no more film fuck off <laughs> I, I definitely feel like guilty leaving the cinema early while oh, the credits totally. are running yeah, and yeah, I'm just like yeah. I feel like I should like sit here and like respect L- the people that made this product then- if, it, if it's like a... Most of the time I'm going to the cinema, it's to watch a movie that I've heard a lot about and I want to 
watch like and it's yep. probably something that's gonna fuck me up and i think the last one that i went to go see was um portrait of a lady on fire mm. which amazing film by the way i don't think it's in the uh 250 i'm thinking of whacking it on the the snubs french film I think uh it might be don't think so. I Sorry, don't think it made no. the cut well, on the time. Keep, by the time we did, I'm going to have a look. By the time we did the snapshot, I don't think it made the the list. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah when I was watching that, I I legitimately had to just <laughs> everyone got up and fucked off, and then I just sat in my seat and I was having this massive like just I was absorbing the film from what I had seen, and then I just you know mm. had the credits to kind of just give you the the time to be able to sit there. Um, I think if you, I think if the credits like do the like the aesthetics of the credits and like the music well, I think that's like probably it's actually kind of has some value. Yeah, like how a lot of the the Marvel films like the credits will still be kind of upbeat and and you can be like yeah fuck yeah Mm. fucking sick Mm. and you just Mm. kind of like keep that like ride. They ride that yeah totally totally totally. If if okay if Avengers Endgame (laughs) just like. They just cut it. Like that's it. Could you imagine? Everyone everyone would probably still be pretty amped, but like if they if they did and <laughs> the end like they did in White Heat, Avengers Endgame would have lost like a hell of a lot of luster, I can tell you. Because the the endgame credit sequence is actually really gorgeous because they have the send offs for like all of the, the actors yeah. and stuff. They have all like their signatures and everything and have like a big wham bam shazam, thank you, ma'am, for all of the you know, the high budget you know, your Robert Downey Jr.'s and your Chris Evans's. By the way, at the time of recording, it's uh, Chris Evans's birthday. So, oh, happy um, birthday, Chris. Happy birthday, Chris, if you're out there. If you're listening to the fucking 250. Yeah. Um, do you like how we've... Um, do you like what we've completely been Completely derailed White from White Heat. Um, <laughs> let's get back on top. Um, Someone, someone's like... <laughs> someone's seen that, like... Oh, 250 doing White Heat. I cannot wait to hear what they have to say about this I can't film. wait to hear their hot takes on... On White Heat. Avengers Endgame. <laughs> proceeds to talk about fucking other film media and uh, the uh, the topic of credit sequences for uh, about five, ten minutes. Um, I think we've talked we've talked less about White Heat than we have talked about White Heat White in, heat this, film, in, this, in, this in this podcast. So White Heat episode. Uh, let's, let, yeah, okay, back on topic. Characters. Um, Characters, Cody. I I genuinely adore Cody a lot as like a a, a a as you've written down here character study. I think he's there's a lot to explore there, and uh, allegedly I'll talk more about it in the trivia. But um, James Cagney read the original script, and it didn't have all of this mother complex, um, uh, you know, kind of paranoid breakdown. Uh, uh, part to his character it was literally just mm. he was rough tough shoot him up drag him out kind of gangster and then yeah Cagney brought the idea forward that we need to add a little bit more complexity to this character and the more I hear about Cagney the more I think he's quite an amazing person as well as an actor uh you you'll get a broader understanding of who he is as a person in the trivia but yeah, he sounds like he's he knows what he's doing. And from what you see in the film, he seems very... Uh, he's got a broad understanding of what he's trying to present, which is good. Right. Um, yeah, he um, he definitely... Uh, I, I, my number one issue with um, kind of the way that the film was like presented is that I didn't like... 
I've managed to get into the last couple of films completely blind. Like, mm. same. I think I, mm. I think I hadn't even seen the poster, and I think it would have been better if I had seen the poster <laughs> because I spent so much time at the start going like, "Who the Who's fuck am I supposed to be rooting <laughs> for right <laughs> now?" And like at the start, it felt like it was like. This is Big Ed's story. Uh-huh. And and Cody is I'm like, this dude's got like, you know, he's got like horrible migraines and stuff. Mm. Like he's gonna die soon. Mm. And that's gonna be like a plot moving spot, which of course does not happen. Mm. And then um once Big Ed gets kind of finished up, you're like, Oh, well this is Hank's well, story. That's him gone, yeah. Um I'm like, this is Hank's story now. He's he seems to be like the interesting character going on here. And then it took it still took a little bit longer for me to go, Oh, it's this Cody. is the character yeah, studying yeah. Dakota. I'm kind of getting him more. The more you see him in the... By the time you reach about the hour point of the film but he's still alive, you know, like in the prison and everything, you're, you're like, going... Mm. <laughs> Common thread. I think I get thread. what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. mm. He, um... He... And I think when... Especially when Ma and Big Ed are gone, it gives him more space to breathe. Yeah, totally. As a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it just gives him more screen time, basically. Mm, and you mm. kind of get, oh, they are really working on this character. Whereas a lot of the other characters are pretty... Not one note. But they're set dressing you know, for the main piece that is Cody's character. Mm, and they're kind like of... That. uh Yeah, they're, they're supporting the lead. Hmm, yeah. Um, and, you know, there's the whole thing. Like, what... <laughs> The opening is weird. I okay. The the, the train heist I like a mm, lot. Yeah, train heist was really um, well done. I got a couple of things to say about that, which I'll do directly. But story wise, train heist good. It really throws you in. Mm. Um, you can there's like that one shot of them sitting in the car, and you can immediately go like, ah, these are the criminals. Mm. Um, they're they're all like wearing like suits and like Cagney's got his um uh, Cody's got his little. I what is it? Is it Trilby, Trilby or a yeah, fedora yeah. on? Yep. Um, he looks like a archetypical gangster. Forties um, gangster, and yeah. and that whole that whole scene works really well. I like I like that a lot. Mm. Um, then, uh, but then you get to this safe house shot, and I it was used as a or scene. I guess it was used as like an opportunity to introduce uh, Verna and basically everyone in the gang. And it kind of like he felt sidey. I I know that he he got like this headache and he like runs out of the room. Mm. But and and it should have been obvious to me, I guess, <laughs> that he was more important. That they were like completely. They completely cut off the tape. rest of the gang and then focused yeah. in on Cody for that moment Just in the beginning. Focus yeah. on his relationship with his mother mm. and stuff. Mm. Um, so it all took me a second to kind of get used to, but mm. I appreciate it. He's a complex character and that's like, you know, he's got this wife who's really fucking attractive. Mm, um, yeah, she's stunning. Even by today's, you know, beauty and fashion standards. My God, a lot, a lot of the women in like the, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s films still by, you know, today's standards, fucking, they scrub up real nice. <laughs> how, she comes, how she comes out of the, when you first see her and, she, you know, she's like snoring and napping on the bed. And then yeah. she gets up and her hair is just fucking immaculate. Like the curls and everything. She still has to like kind of brush it back a little bit. But like her curls, they're crazy. I'm like, it's wow. Incredible. Yeah. Um, who's, uh, Verna is also, she's probably the most interesting 
like character after Cody, I guess. Yeah, yeah, she's, I'd say so. She's your kind of classic uh, femme fatale. I yeah, e- either Verna or Hank. Um, I or think Hank. Yeah, yeah, Hank has a good kind of. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. There's you know, there's been plenty of undercover cop sort of stories done in film time uh, yeah. throughout the period of cinema. So it's not uh, exactly, it's not groundbreaking for us so groundbreaking. to view, yeah. but probably at the time it was more groundbreaking. You know what I mean? There's about 10, 15, 20 years worth of cinema. I'm sure, you know, these guys weren't the first people to come up with it, but there would have been less competition for that t- sort of a story. Whereas mm. nowadays I feel like that the undercover cop in a gang shtick has been done a lot. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, White Heat uh, set that precedent or was helping to set that uh, that precedent for a story. Um, I got a lot of... I've said this once before. Um, the more films we are seeing, older films that we are seeing, the more I'm seeing a lot of connections to Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> and I'm seeing their their influence that they've gained from cinema. The That whole intro scene just reminded me of Red Dead Redemption 2, of, like, the gang, you know what I mean? And, like, the gang all holding down and in one place and a psychotic leader, gang leader and everything. I was like, yeah, this is, this is some Red Dead vibes. It actually reminded me a lot of... What's, the, what's that Western film that we watched? I should fucking remember it. Western film that we watched. The one that your mother likes. Oh, Magnificent Seven? No, you fucking dipstick. Ah. Um, okay. Future me, trim this down because this is unnecessary. This no, isn't, it's, this not, isn't... it's not future you. It's future me. I better leave this one. Future Douglas. Butch <laughs> uh, Cassidy. Ah. Mm. What about it? Um... Uh, I actually had some trouble because writing the little summary mm. um, for the start of this, where I was like, um, it's like uh, someone who leads a gang, they've just done a train heist, they're going back to a safe house. I'm like, this is all very familiar. And I like <laughs> what I'd written the first time was basically word for word what I wrote for, for Butch Cassidy. Butch. Go over um, to the Butch document, copy, paste. Yeah, yeah. yeah easy. That's, that's just Done. saved so much um, Where, But I think that Butch Cassidy, um, obviously a completely different tone of film, but I, I did enjoy that more because there was some kind of like humor added into that scene. And like when um, when they're like, uh, come out with your hands up or, or you're going to get really hurt or whatever he says when he like put, like knocks the window in and starts just like shooting into the carriage. Mm. Um, I was just thinking of the guy who's like in Butch Cassidy and he's like, well, you know, if I let you in, my boss is going to be very unhappy with me. And they're like, oh, it's all this money is insured. You don't have to worry. And they're like, I'm not coming out. And they like blow up the door. So I was thinking of the whole time and it yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. It was very disappointing. Mm. Um, it does, yeah. That the the train heist has a very westerny kind of vibe to it, but the fact that they're all, you know, suit and tie and, uh, yeah, trilbies and fedoras and stuff, that kind of, yeah, mm. it keeps it grounded in a more, uh, civilized sort of, uh, setting. Yeah, I suppose. I think, I think I'm outing myself as a, a bad film analyst, but I, <laughs> I just like that first bit was good because it had some drive to it. You know, it's this thing that's going on and then once once cody gets into prison 
that's mm. also basically it basically keeps the film running from there because you're like he's he's in prison how's he gonna get out you meet hank how's hank gonna work all the stuff out how they're gonna kind of bring their you know how's he gonna befriend him and then they're like escaping to do the other heist and they're like oh the cops gonna find him all, all that kind of like active like thrust mm. where you can kind of see where the film is heading towards but in the gap between those two scenes where they've got the safe house, the second safe house, um, and then, and then like the, the escape and they go to the cinema, that kind of, yeah. Um, that, that felt more meandering. Um, Mm. I don't know. It, it, it it slumped a little for me, I guess. Yeah. The pacing kind of did like a little dip. Yeah. I, I briefly touched on it in the intro, but I thought that was very unconventional and kind of interesting to, rather than put psychotic lead character in prison at the end of the movie, get that shit done towards the beginning of the film and have a fair chunk of it of him in prison and then like in the, you know, asylum infirmary type of joint in the straitjacket. Get Mm -hmm. that shit out of the way and then you can have him, you know, bombastically breaking out of prison and, you know, uh, you still get that setup of him getting into prison rather than the film starting with him in prison and you just going, who the mm. fuck is this guy? And you have to figure out who he is and who the fuck Hank is, his connection to his mother, you know, all that shit is still established in the intro. But then getting that prison stuff out of the way, I feel like kind of sets up the rest of the film in... Yeah it lays down all the set pieces and everything that you need to know reasonably... No, I wouldn't say quickly, but well. Like, it does it in, a, yeah, what I would say, an, an unconventional manner. Because mm. um, I feel like most writers would probably go putting him in prison as an end point because there's not too much you can do in the prison. Yeah. But yeah. this film disproves that, I guess. By adding in I really, the undercover cop, I really enjoyed the the whole prison multiple multiple chapters of the film. Mm. I guess mm. that whole section. His fucking really, freak really out! Oh my god, that's so good. Yeah, Whoa. I guess we just talk about that. Um, I, I assume you have some trivia. I on do. It because it I was do. A, it was a big fucking deal. Yeah, but um, that that scene is so fucking cool. Uh, when he where... like pushes the two dudes up to like stand up on the table, and literally everyone is just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can, it's got like the um, it's just like like a ticking time bomb type method with the Chinese whispers. Oh, the whispers. <laughs> I don't know if that's I don't know if that's insensitive anymore. That's some shit that they used to say in primary school. Yeah, uh, no, no, gonna try to avoid that. Well, yeah. With the whispering down the line thing, and you're like, oh god, this is not gonna end well, and mm. you can totally see it coming. But you're, um, and then this like massive wide shot of this huge mess hall with what is it? It's like five hundred, six hundred extras, I think. Yeah, extras? there's there's got to be multiple like, hundred. I would say yeah, probably about hundred and fifty odd, maybe two hundred. I, 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 I read about this when I was a little delirious last night. But I, I, the number is not less than three hundred. Oh wow! Extras. Okay, and I think it may have been six hundred, or maybe I'm mixing it up. Lots, mm. a very many, large number of people, a great deal, many people. Yes, mm, mm. and you got them all like filing in and kind of like taking their seats and everything, um, and then the, the freak out. But I, um. 
that does remind me that sound-wise, this film and a couple of films that we've got coming up as well have a very weird relationship with Foley. Yeah, where he's running around punching people, and it just sounds like the the like what we would describe as the stock, stock punch sound, sound yeah. effect. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he like punches like punches out like six uh, prison guards. In Completely that whiffs the punch as well. Like you can see, there's you know his face is about you know six inches, seven inches away from his fist, and yeah, yeah, obviously. Oh, they just I, did, I actually didn't notice that, but I guess I wasn't paying too much attention. It, yeah, I I pay reasonably close attention to fight choreography and the like. Yeah, because um, I'm interested in that sort of stuff. But uh, for for the most part, a, a lot of the the genuine uh, the general fight stuff seems pretty good. You know, um, all of like the uh, her, when uh, Hank is holding up the gang uh, after he's revealed himself, and then uh, one of the dudes comes in and clocks him on the back of the head with a pistol. That looks legit. Um, uh, and. Yeah, a lot of the gunplay and like how how people hold their guns, very interesting. Like I feel like, like casual. Yeah, or just it it doesn't look conventional. You know how like they hold a pistol, they hold it like very low and like back to. Oh yeah, like, that's the, the whole gangster grip. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's um, uh, it's odd. He's got it like down by yeah down by his hip. Mm, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which is kind of I you know it's like the it's like the grip you do if you're like. You come up behind someone and you're like, don't move a muscle. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Or you like want to walk someone along and make it not look too suspicious mm, type thing. Mm. Um, the old hip fire. Here's, here's a fun thing. I was constantly put off by all the gunshot stuff because <laughs> bar like one bit, it's always just like, you know, shot shot of just like the one guy with the gun and then you hear like, Pow! and then it like, Changes angle to like yes. some guy like oh and like some falling guy over doing the yeah 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 the classic forties fifties acting death no blood no like wound no blood. on them or anything and they just ah! <laughs> yeah. um, looks like it's they have really, a really bad really spinal bad. injury or something <laughs> <laughs> oh my back and um, their faces it's really are bad <laughs> in the in the um in the first scene where there's the two the two train engineers <laughs> and one of them like takes a second. And then starts to and like slump. It's falling, it's, yeah. It's very questionable. The gunshots have I... been fired. The bullets would have entered his body, and by the time we cut back to him, he's still like he's waiting. Oh, he's going. <laughs> um, there's and there's like the um, I think when Cody's shooting the shotgun at the police, and like the little like um. Like shots up, just like appear bullet holes appear on the. It, it was it, that was yeah. all a little. It's I a little guess, goofy. I guess just dated. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, dated. They and would. I probably should have... I hadn't had this thought before, but I should um, read about... Because um, I know they were very restrictive with a lot of stuff in film back then. I'm wondering if there was some kind of restriction on like... I have some like, trivia for you on that. So ah, stay on like, with, on like whether there's a good reason for them to not use blood or if it was just kind of a oh, bit blood? Early I don't in. know. But I would okay. say probably to... What are the, like, exploding blood packet, packet things called again? Squibs? Yeah. Pretty sure. There were none of them. Hmm. I, I'm yeah. wondering if they hmm. were even, like, a thing back then. Maybe not. I don't know. I I was just thinking, is there... There wouldn't have been, like, an ESRB equivalent 
by the 50s, uh, right? The 50s there was. There was? The 50s okay, there was so, the rating board. So yeah. maybe they were trying... Well, I, even then, I don't know why you would, because you're already working with a psychopathic killer, and that's not exactly mm. something that's going to attract children. <laughs> it's, that's not something... Where, especially in the 50s, you're going to be like... Come on, Jane, let's go and take the kids to a traditional <laughs> gangster film. I've heard it's great. It's got James Cagney and he says he plays a psychopathic killer. That'll that'll really Tracy'll love it, you know. <laughs> It'll give her nightmares for weeks. <laughs> 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 like that doesn't seem like something that would happen. So even then, yeah, that doesn't excuse the lack of blood. I don't know. I feel I feel like it was and this is like an early film thing. I think that's mm. But but also, they had, like, plenty of... Because what? Um, it was about the 20s? Or, like, or like even the 10s when, like, your first, like, film started cropping up? Yeah, should know this 10s. number. It's in that period. Mm. The 20s is where you start really picking up. 20s is, like, was Charlie lot... Chaplin era. Um... Before, before stuff was, like, properly... Like, before all the big ratings and stuff were, like, enforced, mm. there was a lot of just, like, doing whatever the fuck you Avant-garde, wanted. Avant-garde, almost, like, borderline snuff, kind of. Yeah, well, yeah, there was, you know, there was just a lot of, you know, blood uh, blood effect. I, I feel like they would have been working on that already because yeah. gangster flicks and, like, violent stuff, so... It, it would lend itself to it, yeah, yeah. I was wondering... You semi-confirmed this, but I was wondering if I just accidentally ended up with a copy that was, like, weirdly censored or something. But maybe not. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's de- no, definitely not censored. That is... Uh, I believe I watched the Criterion Collection. Is it Criterion Collection? Was this one a part of the Criterion Collection? No, I think that's I think Ace in the so. Hole. I think Ace in the Hole is oh. a part of the Criterion Collection. Or maybe they both are. I don't know. But a lot of these, like, Criterion Collection stuff... They tend to remaster it, but try and keep it to its like original original format as much as as close as possible. So no right. senses, original title with whatever the director and the screenwriter came up with. Uh, yeah, they try and keep it as true to its origin as much as possible. Which fucking good on them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, I would hate uh... to. I would hate to lose some things to the you know. The annals of time with, uh, uh, you know, the scenes being censored and stuff because it would have had to have been censored, you know, back in that period. But Maybe. in, I, uh, I can't think of anything really that would have to be censored back then uh, that I saw, but I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it's because I'm so accustomed um, to gore and violence because that's <laughs> what we get drip fed on a daily basis in our mm. current society and in films. <laughs> We do indeed live in a society. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> um, I joke it myself. I, I, uh, what did you think of, just like to go over like our kind of remaining main characters. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I, what did you think of the mother character? She's fucking rad. I loved her. I thought she was sick okay. as hell. Um, I, I, obviously, I, you know, there's the bond that she has with uh, Cody. Uh, which is, you know, pretty much her entire driving force for the film mm. is borderline Freudian. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, actually, very. Um, but I don't know. I I genuinely thought she was pretty cool in just how she kind of she was a tough ma who didn't take shit from the rest of the gang, 
but and also didn't really take too much shit from Cody like she still helped him out and everything whenever he needed it but it still felt like there was that underlying tone of like you know don't fuck with me kiddo that kind of vibe mm. yeah so, okay yeah i don't know she she felt ruthless but as if she was ruthless before the period of the film if that makes any more yeah. sense like she she does give off that like X X con I've killed um, like five people with a fucking steak knife kind of vibe. <laughs> she did she did look the the actor they chose unfortunately looked very frail. Mm, um, that's true. And yeah. that kind of put me off a little. Mm. When when uh who was the character I was thinking of? Um uh I I I feel like you would want to I, I'm thinking of um uh Who's that fucking Ghibli character? The From one in... Laputa. Um, oh. Is she just called Ma? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just Ma. The, the, the leader the, of the... The mum from Laputa. The pirate kind gang, of like yeah. the... Like, old old woman who can still, like, do what needs to be done type vibe. Mm. I, I feel like that was more what I was looking for casting-wise. Right, um, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Just her, her looking... She just looked really fucking frail uh and that kind of pulled me out a little bit but um character wise she's very interesting um and obviously extremely important to uh cody as a character yeah definitely um pivotal uh, to cody as a character mm, pivotal because that's why we have the big prison scene of course uh-huh. exactly that's why he has um, a mother complex <laughs> <laughs> and i guess my other um character that i liked was um hank obviously mm. um i love me a good I, undercover cop a little yeah, bit of, and, uh, and back to the beginning of the 250 infernal affairs undercover cop action <laughs> um he death he felt like a lot of the things that happened with him was like him getting lucky yeah uh, which i didn't yeah. super like mm. there's the there's the photo at the start mm. there's the like you know he basically makes properly makes friends with Cody um, through, like, just pure luck out of another person trying to kill him and and saving him. He just happens to be Um, nearby to be able to, yeah, get him out of this situation. Mm. um, And, you know, the the whole thing with, like, him putting the oscillator on the truck and going, like, oh, we need a bouncing chain to make it look like there's full of gas in here. And then he doesn't put the chain on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I, I don't know. So, I, I thought he was, like, a fun character to root for, but I found him a bit more flat Inconsistent and then yeah and then like it was so weird because i was like ah big ed is the character and then big ed was nothing yeah there was nothing going on with big ed oh. at all he was dead flat nothing going on cody gets out of prison uh, and then bye bye big ed <laughs> mm. and like i expected like like um, i liked his character design like, though like his little droopy uh hair bangs hair. that he has at the front i, I did like his hair that. fucking um, actually across pretty much the next Maybe two or three films. Everyone has fucking fantastic hair. Deli- delightful 50s style yeah. hair. Hair designers around the yeah. world rise up. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean the rest of the gang. Like I expected Cotton because I kept mentioning Cotton in a very pointed way. Mm. I thought he would be like... And like Zucky obviously is the, the dude who gets burned by the, the steam. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, the Elephant Man. <laughs> 
Yeah. They 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 hang on him way too long in that first scene. They do, yeah. Which made me made me very uncomfortable. He's just like, ah, yeah. what doctor. Oh my god. <laughs> um like cut that out a little bit. That just made me a bit uncomfortable. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, uh what else do we have? Um the ending can't go wrong there. Yeah, that very bombastic. I love how, you know, he's fucking filling him with bullets and then he's like, what's keeping him up? <laughs> like, Yeah, which is like a callback yeah, to the previous a, one. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, is um, it, who says that? It's Werner who's like, you know, you won't be able to keep him down. Yeah, like, you know. You to can, Big Ed. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, clever. Which is cute. Um, and like, you're very kind of like... Um, uh, it, like almost like an Icarus figure. Yeah, yeah, going like, up in flames. He's like, haha, I'm on top of the world, and then like the Boom, plane yeah, explosion. Yeah, yeah. The, expl- <laughs> the explosion. The, yes, the old, the old school explosion where you can't actually show the gas tank exploding, so you have to cut to stock footage of an explosion, <laughs> and then look at the gas tank with the fire going, and then like sweep the camera up and then cut to the explosion to make it look like it's exploding. I don't know. Yeah. There, there, there were some clever things that they did there to make it, you know, and to give it the 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 shtick. Seemed like more of a limitation yes, than... Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like laziness or Yeah, anything. exactly. It was more... I, they wanted the, to make it happen, so that's how they did it. Yeah. And then we get our pal Hank and then movie's over. Yep. What? Yep. Done. We get our pal <laughs> Hank over. giving that Hawaii Five O send-off line. <laughs> and then the end. It's, Fucking everything's on fire. <laughs> Puts his glasses on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, I guess I guess the the last two little things I have to mention. Mm. Um, uh, I think the prison uses like um a couple of map paintings to give scale, which were kind of fun to yes. just like notice. The- They've got that shot that's like looking down the corridor, and it has Cody's se- Cody's cell like sort of like center frame but it's obviously like angled away so you've got off to the right there's that that painting showing like the rest of the the prison prison, hole yeah yeah which was kind of fun like through the Um, bars is that the one that you're talking about like you can see the yeah Mm. yeah through like off you know it's kind of yeah 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 it gives the depth of doing hand motions which once again we're we're both doing hand motions at each other you can't see it but oh like this oh like this (laughs) like this doug yeah yeah this is this is great for Um, our audio platform And and the number one weird thing that I probably should have opened with because I found it so fucking odd is um, in that first scene uh, where Cody and the other dude are in like the front of the train hmm. and the guy's like, oh, um, I forget what he says, but he says Cody's name. And it's like a weird, almost oh, like yeah, a digital the, like, zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just like cuts in on the frame. It's and like I'm they like, forgot- what the fuck is happening I think, here? I think genuinely they forgot to get a close up of that guy. Maybe they forgot that he had a line or something in there. And then they forgot yep. to shoot the close up of the guy. And they wouldn't have been able to go back and do a pickup on it. So they were just yeah. like, oh, fuck it. Just zoom in. <laughs> but that was that day. was the only time. I, I was feeling very sus. And that was the only time that came up, thankfully. Mm, mm. Um... Visually, it was very odd at, very, at the beginning of the film, especially. It was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, visually, the film is fine. Yeah. yeah it's fine. Nothing to write home about cinematography-wise. It, really it really didn't grab me mm. visually, unfortunately. And mm. there was some weird stuff. It's kind of... um, With the black and white films, your, like, effective use of, like, contrast and, like... And, like, 
lane dark levels is so fucking important yeah because there's mm. no color to kind of give the scene more character um and it seemed pretty half-assed for a lot of it yeah yeah um or just like scenes that were too dark and they felt like they shouldn't have been or yeah the, the half-assed, is, half-assed is being too mean yeah but the, gra- the the visuals didn't really grab me the ending scene probably could have been lit a little bit better um yeah, I think it was all right because they've got that they've got that shot of him up on top of the the gas tank, mm. um, the sphere. Yeah, and they've got like all the spotlights on him and stuff, and that's yep. kind of um, iconic almost. Yeah, um, yeah. And then when the flames come up, that's like natural lighting, quote unquote. Mm. Uh, so that that was all over. Mm. I, nah. Any any comments on music, Douglas? Uh. Nah, general fanfare. You know how it is with these films. They have mm-hmm. a lot of the, uh, especially for like a lot da, of da, 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 da. Mm, the like the spectacle sequences. You know, your uh, the shootouts and um, the the lead up to the final. Uh, you know, them doing the Trojan horse and the gas tank and everything. Uh, that uh, the gas truck, I should say. That all. Yeah, it's just it's. I can't think of any other word than it than traditional fanfare. You know, it's it does it accentuates what is happening on screen, and that's just how they did their soundtrack back then. Was they had yeah things to it. It 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 makes me think like almost Looney Tunes esque, much less more accentuated than Looney yeah. Tunes. But because Looney Tunes, I was rewatching some Looney Tunes um a couple of days ago, and. I completely miss it as a child, but it makes it so satisfying how every orchestral element completely syncs up with the animation. So things hmm. all the way down to like the walking of the characters, it'll have like the as like they walk, and then the music will like simmer out and do like a little like while they're talking or something, and it like. I didn't realize as a kid how much the music accentuates the visuals. It it directly complements the visuals and enhances mm. them through that. It makes everything ten times larger because I think the way that they did it from... I mean, the only way I can think of how they did that is they would have done the animation, recorded the vocals, and then given that to a composer and gone, okay, you and your orchestra compose over the top of this so you watch that Mm. and then you compose as you go so then you can make sure that you're accenting all of these notes because i have no idea how they would be able to accent everything as well as they do if they didn't do that doesn't seem the case here in white heat i think generally the i don't know who the composer is which is bad of me but um i can only assume that they would have just gone you know here is music and place within the film as you see fit. Uh, yeah. It's how it feels to me. But yeah, it still complements uh, the, the action. And yeah, it doesn't take away from the film at all, in my opinion. I don't think... Is there a... There might not be... Oh, sound department. Mm. Leslie G. Hewitt. That is the only sound related... Hmm. Oh, music department. Murray Cutter. Okay. He is the, he's the orchestrator. Right. So... I, it's it's interesting that you bring up Looney Tunes because I feel like um, watching those old ones when I was younger, they kind of just felt like the feel, like like this is something very unique to that. But I think it was something that was unique to the time. Yeah, exactly. And they 
they did the work of kind of uh, uh, integrating it better than a lot of films seem to do. So yeah, bang on it. Hmm. Uh, do you have any trivia for us, Douglas? Ah, oh, what a amazing segue! <laughs> <laughs> Just perfect setup, and I'm going to smack it right on home. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> You know, nothing says nothing says like nothing compliments a good segue like someone going great segue, great segue, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really keeping it flowing. Love it. We're both guilty here. Uh huh. Virginia Mayo, who plays Verna, revealed mm-hmm. in an interview that James Cagney was hiding in a different spot than where she had been told he would be during the scene when they are reunited after he's been in prison. He then deliberately missed his cue, causing her shock and fear to be real. She said for a few wow. seconds she was actually afraid he was going to kill her. <laughs> and uh you'll find a a common thread throughout all of this trivia is james cagney having a lot of free will to do what he wanted with the character of cody which i think is very cool in that raul walsh gave him that freedom yeah and you can kind of yeah once again you see the result you can feel it it. yeah totally Mm. At the time of filming, special effects were not yet using squibs, which are tiny explosives that simulate ah. the effect of bullets. The producers employed skilled marksmen who used low-velocity bullets to break windows or show bullets hitting near the characters. In the factory scene, James Cagney was missed by mere inches. Fucking hell. So, James Cagney, in real, like, genuine fucking... He could be shot <laughs> by a low-velocity bullet. That's just how they did I'm, it. It's the only way they had to do it. They didn't have squibs. I guess so. Jeez. It's intense. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine paying those marksmen going, all right, if you hit this shot on my, right. like, one... Th- Whatever you do, don't shoot the, the extreme actor. actor. Yeah. <laughs> that's all, though. That's all that. That's all you got to yeah, do yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Don't, don't kill this man with this bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing too hard to worry about. No pressure. The character of Cody Jarrett was based on New York murderer Francis Crowley, who engaged in a pitch battle with police in the spring of 1931 at the age of 18. He was murdered Jeez. on January 21st of 1932, and his last words were, quote, send my love to my mother, end quote. Ah. So. So that's your inspiration, yeah. Common thread. And there are more inspirations. I can see how that flows on. There are more that. inspirations as well, which I'll tell you about a little bit later. Although James Cagney found this to be a good picture on a number of levels, in his 1985 autobiography, Cagney called the film, quote, another cheap jack job, end quote, because of its limited shooting schedule and the studio's decision to, quote, put everybody in it they could get for six bits, end quote. Cagney was particularly irritated by the fact that he pressed them to cast his old friend, Frank McHugh, in the small role of Tommy in order to bring a touch of humour and lightness to the otherwise heavy piece. According to the star, Warners repeatedly agreed to do it, putting Cagney off until the first day of shooting when he was told McHugh wasn't available. Cagney found out later McHugh had never been asked. Jeez. That was, yeah, that was like Warners' whole deal. People felt like kind of... Uh, they they were like a cheap, yeah, mm. company mm. for a while. They they were kind of thought of as Warner Bros. Were the yeah yeah the the lesser of the bunch, which is weird to think about in you know our current climate. Mm. Yeah, Jason. <laughs> this marked the first time James Cagney had worked for Warner Brothers since Yankee Doodle Dandy in 1942. Quote, movies should be entertaining, not bloodbaths, end quote, he said in the last days of his Warner's contract. 
Quote, I'm sick of carrying a gun and beating up women. He formed his own production company with his brother, William Cagney, and for the next five years, their pictures were distributed by United Artists. There were, however, only four films in those years, none of them very successful financially. So Cagney returned to Warner's with a degree of autonomy. His, uh, his production company also remained intact and made the kind of, quote, bloodbath he had turned his back on seven years earlier. It's what people want me to do, he grumbled. Someday, though, I'd like to make just one picture kids could go see. So, oh, did he? I don't think he did. No, oh. I mean, I, I I haven't looked too far into Cagney's uh, uh, filmography, but uh, from the looks of it, he sticks to you know what the people wanted him to do, which was mm, bloodbaths, carrying a gun, and beating up police women. Police looking mm, mm. titles, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it too much, but you're totally right. Like this film basically has no humor to it yeah and that might be what it was missing for me Mm, maybe mm. a very Mm. yeah somber and dark piece most definitely it was james cagney himself who had the idea of making cody psychotic cagney attributed his performance to his father's alcoholic rages which he had witnessed as a child as well as someone that he had seen on a visit to a mental hospital yikes so a little bit of uh, what a fun thing to relive yeah, your abusive father your abusive father's alcoholic rages wonderful if the surprise expressed by James Cagney's fellow inmates during the telephone game scene in the prison dining room appears real it's because it is director Raoul Walsh didn't tell the rest of the cast what was about to happen so Cagney's outburst caught them by surprise in fact Walsh himself didn't know what Cagney had planned the scene as written wasn't working and Cagney had an idea He told Walsh to put the two biggest extras playing cons in the mess hall next to him on the bench because he uses their shoulders to boost himself up onto the table and to keep Mm. the cameras rolling no matter what happened. (laughs) That that was... I'd I'd heard wind of this while doing some reading Mm. and um, I... I'm like, did did they warn the prison guards? Like... Oh yeah, because he comes out and he starts whacking them, doesn't he? He starts yeah, he starts swinging mm. at them and stuff. I'm like, you you can kind of like have your general tussle in the mess hall and have that be kind of on the fly. But I feel like, oh, I, I guess I guess the prison guards were like, they were like, okay, I'm just gonna take a, a bunch of us are gonna take some hits and then yeah, well, maybe grab him. I think most of those prison guards go down in one hit. Like, mm. they, they get punched and then they kind of stagger <laughs> away or they just completely fucking drop. So With stock stock punch sound effect <laughs> 001.wav. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I think, yeah, they were probably uh, trained as extras to go, look, he punches you, you, you just go down. And mm. uh, I men are very good at keeping to whatever the code is that the director has set. So... You take that one pinch, uh, that one pinch, that one punch. <laughs> it just comes up and pinches everyone. Uh, Fucking hell. <laughs> uh, you take that one punch. Yeah, you go down. You don't ask any questions. So you, you react to whatever the lead does, you know. he's, he's Especially yeah. when it's something like that where uh, Walsh would have probably, before they started rolling, he would have gone to all the extras, including the prison guards, and just went, look, Cagney's got an idea. We're going to run with it. Let's just whack the cameras on and we're going to see what happens. React, whatever this motherfucker does. Uh, So, yeah. I don't know. It's really cool. Especially because wasn't that scene shot in like a very short amount of time? Probably. 
I believe the it whole was, shooting schedule was, was like, allegedly very short. Yeah, that particular scene was like less than six hours. Fuck. So, uh, I think it was. I think it was less than three, but I can't face say for certain because once again, <laughs> I didn't write this down. <laughs> well, the um, uh, the film held the record for largest number of camera setups in one scene. For the scene in the prison mess hall where Cody Jarrett finds out his mother is dead. Ah, oh. so that's a question. Do you, like how do they? Because because they've got the obviously there's that huge wide shot. I think there's a couple of huge mm, wide shots of, of the him, mess like, running down. Um, but then there's also like a bunch of close shots from when this like start of the scene. Yeah. Like, how do they hide the cameras there, or do they? I have no idea. Maybe know. they have them like you way sh- further back and then just zoom them in. Maybe dress the dress the cameraman up like a um. <laughs> like a prison like gun. a prisoner and then like <laughs> when shit starts going down like, back. just, just stow, stow the camera and just like get, get moving <laughs> uh, go back in character mm. the unusually close relationship between Cody Jarrett and his domineering mother was inspired by real life bank robbers Kate Barker aka Ma Barker and her sons Kate Barker better known as Ma Barker and sometimes as Arizona Barker as well as Ari Barker <laughs> was <laughs> Reading that is great. Was the mother of several American criminals who ran the Barker Carpus gang during the public enemy era when the exploits of gangs of criminals in the Midwest gripped the American people and press. She travelled with her sons during their criminal careers. Barker gained a reputation as a ruthless crime matriarch who controlled and organised her son's crimes. J. Edgar Hoover described her as, quote, the most vicious, dangerous and resourceful criminal brain of the last decade, end quote. She has been presented as a monstrous mother in films, songs, and literature. However, those who knew her insisted that she had no criminal role, and they alleged that Hoover created such accusations to excuse the FBI for killing her, as she was killed in a shootout with the FBI. Ah. That doesn't sound like the FBI at all. (laughs) That doesn't sound like something I would do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. I thought that was cool. So it gives a little bit more uh, real-world grounding to Mars character, mm, and mm. Uh, um, more more inspiration yeah. for Cagney to to lean on, which is cool. Yeah, she was she was a good character, and the the way that it kind of built on Cody as well was very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but she oh, gi- not a not a. No, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. She gives that feel, you know, like she gives that as. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover quoted a uh, vicious, dangerous, and resourceful criminal brain. She gives that vibe, you know, like she mm. probably is a bit of the brains behind the organization as much as Cody is. Uh, you know, the apple mm-hmm. doesn't fall far from the tree. Cody, Cody's character talks a lot about how, and the rest of the gang talk about how his dad was very similar in having the, you know, psychotic episodes and stuff. Apple yeah. doesn't fall far from the tree. Subsequently, his brains probably comes a bit from his mum so i don't know yeah yeah cool stuff yeah hmm. edmund o'brien was rather in raw in awe of james cagney he found out how generous an actor and gentle a person cagney could be in a close-up the two were playing together o'brien felt cagney standing with increasing pressure on the top of o'brien's right foot forcing the younger actor to move in that direction o'brien realized if he had not done so he would have been out of frame and cagney would have had the scene to himself when the cameras were rolling Cagney would look like, quote, an angry tiger. 
But as soon as Raoul Walsh yelled cut, the star would quietly go up to Brian with a poem he had written and ask him in a whisper, quote, would you mind telling me what you think of this? End quote. When it oh came, my God. When it came time to return to work, Cagney would plead, quote, please don't tell anyone about it. End quote. <laughs> so Holy shit. I like that, you know, just that Cagney is, uh, ag- again, the more I read about James Cagney, I think he was, yeah, a genuinely uh, kindred spirit by the sounds of it, which is nice guy. so polarizing to you know the only experience i have of him being this film where he plays a psychopathic gang leader but yeah it's nice to think that you know the the actor is uh because he doesn't necessarily have like a super like he's got a pretty serious looking face but Mm. you look at him you're like he could totally be like like a lawyer character or like a businessman character Mm. or something but he just got typecasted as like a gangster through his entire fucking career yeah yeah and by the sounds of it he hated it you know he was sick Mm. of carrying around a gun and beating up weapon so um yeah sounds like a good dude um but yeah that's all the trivia i had yeah cool guy cool cool bunch of people um i'm always a fucking big big fan of when directors give creative freedom to their actors when they have that level of trust in their actors to be able to go when an actor comes to the director and goes yo i got an idea here i might be able to do something that there is as the director they can either go nah fuck off we're keeping to the script sorry mate or if they trust them enough they'll go yeah sure let's just get it on camera let's you know see what happens get get the cameras rolling let's see what happens uh, I love that, and I love what because sometimes that is genuinely where the magic happens, you know. And that scene is probably as half as good as it is because they gave Cagney that uh, creative freedom to be able to just go, fucking go your hardest, mate. Do go crazy, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, go nuts. Go mm. start punching someone out. Yeah, go for it. Just swing fists. Well, well. If uh, if you enjoyed us talking about White Heat. We, uh, remotely for about, we talk about white heat for fun, about 15 films. minutes of this uh 40 minute podcast no we did all right we did all right we made up for the like 10 minutes we were talking about credits that start <laughs> by going a little bit over time so. <laughs> great um we put episodes out weekly uh every tuesday at midnight australian eastern standard time which comes out to about 2 p.m on a monday at greenwich mean time uh, 10 a.m. Eastern uh, Daylight Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Um, you can get in contact with us directly at 250pod at gmail. That's T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can also, uh, if you want to watch it on YouTube for whatever reason or um, <laughs> I, I do some more social media type love with us i'm really blank on this and douglas is laughing at me uh we are on 250 pod on all of those platforms instagram is particularly good um i just like the idea i just like the idea of promoting a social media platform we're going i don't know why the fuck you would want to but you can if you're bloody (laughs) check out the instagram the instagram's good everything else is i'm phoning it in baby oh my god um (laughs) <laughs> we are on if you're currently watching us on YouTube and you want to listen to us somewhere else uh, <laughs> or I don't know whatever stop <laughs> you can you can listen to us on YouTube but I don't know why the fuck you would want to but if you are listening to this on YouTube <laughs> um, we're on Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Deezer Podcast Addict Pocket Casts Google Home and Amazon Echo basically Ooh. anywhere good podcasts are sold uh huh 
For the low, low price of uh, free. For the low, low price of nothing at all. <laughs> Your um, time. If, uh, Actually, that's a very high price. <laughs> <laughs> depends how depends how much you get, like, you earn on the hour. Oh, true, how yeah. Much this, mm. depend, it changes how much this podcast is oh, worth. Oh, that's true. Um, we also use Letterboxd, uh, which is kind of like a film critique website. It lets you track films that you want to watch and films that you have watched and write little reviews. Um, we both write our own. Uh, so I write little cute short uh, reviews at UPA. That is U U U P A H three U's and then a PA. Um, I'm about 10 weeks behind, oh I think. So I might have to fix that after this episode. <laughs> and my friend Douglas. I am at I E N Z O K N I G H T. That's Yenzo Knight. I write more condensed reviews of what I talk about here on the podcast and even just stuff that I've been watching. So uh, I, a couple of weeks back, I watched uh, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman, wrote a quick little review about that. And uh, yeah, you can just whack either of our uh, usernames into Letterbox search engine and you'll find us. Otherwise, you could just search 250 and I think that comes up with us as well. So... Maybe. It comes up with me because I've got a list of all of the 250 uh, movies. So, running. Interesting. Um, um, mm. uh, I watched Legally Blonde the other day. Oh, I need to write that in that? on Letterboxd. That is nice. That is a nice movie. Cool. <laughs> well, thank you for tuning uh, in to the 250. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking bitch. Um, this is interesting because I think I like this film more now that we've talked about it. Oh, good. Yeah, I, th- I think so too, I was- actually. Hmm. I was not. I wasn't. It's not disinterested, not for it, but it's but, yeah, yeah. I think having the chance to be able to yeah actually uh, sit down with someone else and talk about it a bit yeah discuss its merits. Mm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, add something to it. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thank you for tuning into the two five zero. And as always, we look forward to seeing you. Real soon, Douglas is. Ganging up a hairball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> okay, see ya. <laughs>